is the errors that get deep down in your code base that are the toughest to wash out. How? Use new fashion smashing with exclusive learning action. Bugs just float away with smashing. So help your family's code stay spotless with easy to use smashing. In this episode of the Smashing Podcast, we're talking about running conferences and meetups. What does it take to organise a small industry event for your community? We talked to WDC's Alex Alder to find out. But first, did you know that Smashing Magazine publishes brand new articles to the website throughout your working week? There's a lot to keep up with, but we're here to help. It's your weekly update. In Gradients, Blend Modes, and a Really Cool Hover Effect, Preeti Sam notes that gradients are a powerful CSS feature used for texture, depth, and even to hide parts of elements with CSS masking. In this article, Preeti covers another interesting way to use gradients, as a hover effect that affects the appearance of other elements around the hovered element. If that sounds confusing, there are many live examples throughout the article that make it all crystal clear. Ben Shai brings us parts one and two of facilitating inclusive online workshops. Running a workshop can be an effective alternative to traditional long-standing meetings. However, if workshops aren't designed with inclusivity in mind, participants may feel apprehensive about contributing. Ben introduces the concept of an inclusive workshop. In part one of the series, discover the fundamentals of inclusivity and get some solid guidance on how to plan inclusive remote workshops. And in part two, You'll continue to delve deeper into several key principles and guidelines you can follow during and after the workshop to encourage an inclusive atmosphere. In Revealing Images with CSS Mask Animations, Timani Afif plays with images and experiments with CSS masks. The idea here is fairly simple. Take a single image tag and harness the power of CSS to accomplish complex hover transitions. Through different demos, you'll see how CSS masks combined with gradients allow us to create fancy effects with efficient, reusable code. Jeff Graham writes about how Smashing Magazine uses Tina CMS to manage an editorial workflow. In 2019, Smashing Magazine adopted a static site architecture, resulting in a six times improvement in page speed, but sacrificing some of the writing and editing bells and whistles that come with the bona fide content management system. Now with the recent integration of Tina CMS, Smash Magazine enjoys the best of both worlds. This article is a peek behind the curtain of how content is managed at Smash. And in the path to awesome CSS easing with the linear function, Jay Tompkins highlights that with the new CSS linear easing function on the horizon, the possibilities of what we can do to create natural feeling animations and transitions in the future are greatly expanded. Jay looks at the current state of CSS easing and demonstrates what we can expect from Linear, including handy tools to get your hands on it today. And that is your weekly update. Find all these and more at smashingmagazine.com slash articles. He's a full-stack developer and founder of development agency Bluefly Digital here in the UK. 
He's also the founder and core organizer of the UK's longest-running web design conference, WDC, which is now entering its 14th year, all of which makes him the perfect candidate for our discussion today. So we know he's an accomplished developer, business owner, and conference organizer, but did you know he invented the pork jam roly-poly? My smashing friends, please welcome Alex Older. Hi, Alex. How are you? I'm Hi, Drew. I'm good. I'm smashing. <laughs> good to hear it. Congratulations on what's about to be the 14th year of, of WDC web. Facts are wrong there. Oh, my facts are wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it might be the 14th event. Yeah. But it's been running since 2007. Okay. So the 14th edition it's, is what we should be saying. The 14th yeah, edition yeah. of WDC. Absolutely. Okay. My introduction and everything is incorrect <laughs> due to my <laughs> poor research, like, but I think we'll get away with it. But yeah, your 14th edition this October, yes. for those who don't know, it, it's a very much, it's a kind of a, a local feeling event, even though actually its reach is felt across the region and across the UK. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, you have uh, a day of workshops and then a conference day or have done in the past? We have done in the past. What I've found is that whilst it's great to do workshops is that it's, it can be quite hard to find subjects that are appealing to a lot of people. I've seen it work for events and conferences that are very focused in one area. Mm. So if it's a, a WordPress conference or a design systems conference or something like that, because it's they're focusing on one area, mm. a workshop relating to that works a lot better than stuff for WDC because we, it's very general. Yeah, it's quite a, it's a, a, a broad subject area, isn't it? So finding enough people who want to uh, focus down on a, a small yeah. bit for a workshop is mm -hmm. is trickier. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember a few years back, I attended one of your workshops. Uh, I think it was a Node workshop with yes. uh, Jack Franklin, which was great. I learned a lot that day. <laughs> that was that was brilliant. These days, you're sticking to just the, the main conference day. Yeah, yeah. So last year, because of various things, we hadn't done an event for a few years. So we decided to come back with a bang and do two days, which was nice because it meant we could get like a load of lots of people to come and speak for it. And it drew a slightly different crowd as well, which is quite nice. But the kind of the organizing headache of it all, I was like, no, I'm just going to do one day. <laughs> it's a lot nicer just to manage one day with eight speakers than it is to try and manage two days with 16 speakers. Yes. Because it, it doubles all the worry. <laughs> So what was it that spurred you to start this in the first place? Where did the idea come from? So I started, oh, this is where I realized how old I am. So I started <laughs> uni in 2006 and Joe Leach came in, in one of our induction days and gave us talk about what the web, the world of the web is and what it does and all this, that, and the other. And a couple of friends of mine were talking to me afterwards, and, but I don't understand what this is or that is. And it does, and so the idea from there was to also came about that we were learning command line Java. <laughs> okay, my condolences. And, and <laughs> yes, and there were uh, it was the university I was at was there going. Oh no, you need to learn this module because if we go to this job site and put in this web development, hmm. well, you know, without Java, the, the results <laughs> disappear. You get a yeah. third of the results. So a lot of it was trying to show my fellow students is that what people are doing in the web isn't 
necessarily what's being taught yeah and showing that there are that actually the web technologies that are out there aren't what necessarily what we're learning in a classroom or in a lecture and also trying to get rid of the idea that of of kind of buzzwords mm. as well so it started off as an event to get professionals in to speak to students and then go oh as, as we're in bristol if you're if you're in the area and want to come to the event come to the event mm-hmm. so it's that's how it started and it's just grown from there as i went through uni that's amazing uh, when, when i think about everything that's involved in running an event like a conference it must be like finding venues finding speakers yeah. finding like an audience uh, yes. it, it's overwhelming uh, as someone personally I ha- i've had a, a sort of a bit of a a long-running community side project i'm thinking of uh, the website used to run 24 ways and mm-hmm. i just know that organizing something like that year after year yeah it really it really takes it takes it out of you <laughs> i can't yeah. imagine the if it was then a physical a physical event like a web conference so yeah what is it that keeps you coming back year after year uh, and doing it again to yourself? It, it might sound really bad, but it's effectively one of the one of the reasons I keep doing it is because it gives me a chance to go to a conference with life and family and everything else. You don't get as much time as you think you might yep. to go to all these things and fly around and go to events. So it's a chance for me to see people I've heard of talking about something they love doing and gets me out the house for at least a couple of days (laughs) so yeah it's there it was there kept going because i want to do an event and it just benefits me that i don't have to pay for a ticket as it were (laughs) i I can and then i just have to make it i have to stand up in front of people and make a fool of myself (laughs) but you get very briefly you get to put on your your dream event as much as possible yeah you you can tailor it to you (laughs) yes exactly and it's not an event we take far too seriously. Like, we've, and I've been fortunate enough with venues that we've always, aside from a small test of a, an, another venue, we've always been at the same venue, and it's in a really good location in the centre of Bristol. And it just means that if people are coming in, it's quite easy for them to go, "Oh, that's where the venue is," and there are twenty hotels around it. Yeah. So I can come into Bristol, I can stay in Bristol and walk to the event and it's all good. So talking about practicalities and when you're thinking about organizing another edition of this, you say yeah. you've got your preferred venue. So what comes first, yeah. finding a date or? Yes. So it's all over, over 14 events. We've or it used to be that it was organized early September mm-hmm. or because the unis would start then and it would then mean that we could i could speak to the uni go look this is when the event is it would mean that they can tie it into their stuff that they're doing and since then it's migrated to october and it's it has always been the first friday in october <laughs> except for this year because we've had to push it back for other reasons but the it's we go this is the kind of date like it's always october now right and so and then from that it's i know the venue's there the venue hasn't gone up in flames it's quite (laughs) established yeah um and it's uh and it's because it's at the watershed so it's quite an established venue in bristol Hmm. um and so i know that sorted i know roughly when it is and then it's just working back from then 
to make sure that things are launched with enough time to make sales to cover the bills. Hmm. So how do you decide on the lineup? So you've, you've got your, you've got your date sorted. You've got the, um, event booked. Yeah. How do you decide what, what's going to happen on stage on that day? So it's, I, I think I've been very fortunate and I've lucked into a lot of it. So hmm. I've done, I've gone, oh, I really want to see Drew speak. So I'll, I'll invite you along. See if you as, and you'll tell me what you're speaking about. And then I'll go, oh, I, I want to see someone else and I'll invite them along. Over the last few years, I've teamed up with Luke to, to put the event on. So he's got, because of his role, mm-hmm. he's got a lot more contacts that I may, maybe wouldn't have come across. Yeah. And so it's going, oh, I, I really like what this person's tweeting about or blogging about. And I've read this article and, oh, that they happen to be based in Leeds or Manchester. And I can get, and I'll invite them over down. Mm-hmm. And I've been really lucky in that over the years, the theme of the day has echoed through every talk. Right. And I even had, at one point, I had Paul Boag speaking mm-hmm. and he panicked a bit. He was like, oh, but my talk is really similar to the talk that was on now. And he, and it was like the, he was speaking to me, there was a talk between Right. So he, before between the one he was going on about and his, and he was worried that he his would basically sound the same. And I said to him, "It doesn't matter what you what your talk does will tie everything together at the end of the day." Yeah, and it worked really well. So I've been really lucky in that there's been a theme that's worked with a like like spattering of other bits and pieces in the middle. Yeah, it's, it's funny how that uh, can happen because there are. There's often themes running through the industry at a certain time. Everybody's yeah. thinking about the sort of next ideas and yeah. often they're, they are interconnected because mm-hmm. the web as a, as an industry is, you know, moving forward towards yeah. the same sort of places. I, I can remember a similar situation speaking at a conference where the talk that came directly before mine covered about, I don't know, about 25% of the same stuff that was, <laughs> that I was about to go over. And so I, I had to get on stage and I say things like, I hope you're seeing a theme here. <laughs> you see what we're trying between us, what we're yeah. trying to say and make it sound intentional. And of course it wasn't a problem. It was reinforcing the ideas. It was actually saying like, here's the important ideas uh, yeah, exactly, that, that yeah. we're all thinking about at the moment. And um, I, I think it helps att- like attendees as well, almost see that these people are up, up in front of them saying these things. Yeah. And it's not just one person saying these things, it's four or five. And they're not necessarily saying it in, it, it's not a, a pulled quote that they're, they're going over and over again. Yeah, They're saying it in their way and how it applies to them and what they're doing. Yeah, it reinforces the point and, and gives different yeah. perspectives on it as well at the same time. So at this point, we've got the venue, we've got a date, you've invited some people to speak. Mm-hmm. They're, they're working, uh, working away on their presentations and looking forward to visiting yeah. Bristol. Um, how do you go sort of go about getting the, the word out? How do you, how do you sell tickets? How do you find an audience and let people know? I, I, I cross my fingers. And so my, my, I think my biggest thing is I'm not that social as it were. And I, what I do is I hope that the, kind of the speakers who are coming to the event will go, oh, I'm speaking at this event. But mm. here, here it is. I've got an adequate Twitter following for the conference. And 
what I also do is I will, before tickets are launched, I'll say, oh, look, register your interest. Let, we'll tell you as soon as you can get a ticket and stuff like this. And so there's, and I'm really thankful that there's a kind of almost core community around the event that will go, oh, yeah, I'm coming. I've bought my ticket. It's there. Yeah. I'm, I'll be there. And slowly but surely, word spreads so out to, to different areas of the country as people, some people will take a chance on it and go, oh, I had a really great time. And then it, many years ago, it used to be the thing that people would write up their event experiences and yeah. do a review. And for a while, I, you could see the kind of the referrals coming in through analytics and stuff and going, oh, okay. And so it's kind of, it's grown word of mouth mm. more than, oh, I need to make sure I'm speaking to this publisher or this site or whoever to to mention my event. Sorry, I was saying, I, I've noticed that your your ticket prices are uh, incredibly low for a, a full day conference. It's what the full price is? The full price this year is going to be £100. £100, which is great value. And I guess that enables people to take a bit of a punt on if it's not going to cost them too much to get to Bristol yeah. and they've, they've heard good things, 100 quid, actually, that's exceptional value. Yeah, exactly. The idea is that it's sh- in the theory being is that if you're missing a day of work and you're a freelancer, you don't get paid for that day of work. So it's sh- the whole, the idea being that the whole trip to Bristol, staying in Bristol, coming to the event sh- shouldn't cost more than a day of work. Right. And, and the, the whole idea of the ticket price is that it covers the, the event cost. It mm. doesn't, I, I don't, I don't sit there and go, I need to charge 250 quid a ticket to make X amount at the end of the, at the end of the event, once all the bills are settled, I need to be at zero once yeah. all the bills are settled so that it can keep funding itself every year. Hmm. And I've been unfortunate a few times where it's lost money, but I've, the 14 events, it's happened twice. So being able to sit there and go, I know people will then know and come to expect that the cost of the ticket is reasonable. And mm. I'm not suddenly sitting there going, oh, yeah, no, now I've got 100,000 Twitter followers. I'm going to charge this much money because it will make it. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because it gives even the kind of smaller freelancers the chance to attend an event that isn't out of a price range. Mm. And that, do you find as a result, your audience is primarily freelancers and primarily people who are paying their own way for their ticket? Sounds like that's the sort I th- of. I think these days now it's more of a 50 50 split because okay. being able to see the way, because I use a Tito for the ticket sales, is that mm. I can see how tickets are ordered. And so, so there are, yeah, there are lots of freelancers, but then you'll get an order for five, 10 tickets from one company. There are, there are definitely companies out there that are buying tickets for their employees to mm. attend the event. And, but there are freelancers as well. And it makes quite a nice mix because, um, we, we've even had partnerships with, with companies in the past who are recruiting. So there might be freelancers who are like, I've been doing this for a couple of years and it's all right. Oh, but I've met these guys at WDC and I had a chat with them. Oh, and they've, they've got a job and I might apply for it. So it might, it hopefully the idea that the networking side of all event leads to that and the split in ticket sales between freelancers and companies and bits and pieces like that hope spurs that on i think yes uh, and i think that's it's in contrast to what we've seen from uh, a lot of the because going back 10 years there were a lot more 
conferences, single day conferences at affordable mm. prices that were going on in the UK. And we had Carsonified back in the day running of their events, Future of. We used to have things from Clear Left Deconstruct and yep. what was the typography one called Ampersand. And then so, and some of those people are still running conferences. Clear Left are still running conferences. But what yes. we've seen from them is they've gone very up up market where yep. a ticket will cost over over a thousand pounds or yep. and I very much suspect their um audience are people who are not paying their own way that their company has sent them. Or mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, a significant business purchase, not a yeah. <laughs> not an individual yes. thinking, oh, I'll just go and learn about this thing. So it, it, it's very it's interesting that the most of the UK market of what's left of uh, of conferences has tended to go up higher end. Do you, is, is there something about putting conferences on in the UK that makes it really hard that you've got to charge a lot of money? Or <laughs> I'm just I, wondering I if you have any insight what so. goes on there. I th- I think a lot of it is that that the the more higher end conferences seem to be in London, and from that, you, it's the, the venue is going to cost an extortion amount of money. Yeah, and then you've got to get, especially depending on who your target is, you've got to have the name, the right names of people in the industry at that event, which will then be charging their fee, which will be t- relevant to their experience mm. and so on and so forth. Whereas Outside of London, the, a venue hire doesn't cost a huge amount of money. Hotel costs don't cost a huge amount of money yep. and everything else. But I think that the target for, for those upscale events, as you say, is the kind of our big organizations who have maybe heard of a keyword that happens to be relevant and gone, oh, we must put some resource into this and we've got our spending for the year. And if we don't spend it, we lose it. Drew, you're going to that event mm. and you might go, oh, great. And then you realize that maybe some, maybe two or three of the talks were relevant to what you, to what you're doing and not all of it. And I think that there's obviously a place for them, but outside of that, you've, the costs of everything are a lot less. And for me, it's not just about putting on the event. It's about being able to put on all the bits around it mm. and make more of a community effort. To it and have a community around the event than it is to go. I put on this massive event and we've got eight great speakers. It's going to cost you two grand for a ticket. And, but after well, you'll go to the day, you'll leave and that'll be it because you're probably London based. So you've gone home. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, it, it's amazing the, the different feel that mm. uh, a more community based conference like WDC yeah. has. Than, than some of the more sort of upmarket and therefore a little bit more corporate uh, events have. And, and I think you're right about the, cause you mentioned briefly about the, the sort of ability to network and, and things. Mm. And if you're, if you are a freelancer, it's something like the community event like this is a great opportunity to get to meet other people, meet yes. potential, potential customers, but also potential collaborators or contacts and, as a freelancer, you're always it's always useful to know other people with different specialisms who you might want to bring into a project, and yeah. and it's a great opportunity to make those connections and and meet people. Once once you're advertising your tickets, they're, they're on sale. You've got your fingers crossed, hoping that people buy tickets. I guess you've got quite a lot on the line at that, at that point. You've committed to a whole load of a whole load of costs, 
how do you cope with that? Does it keep you up at night? <laughs> it, no, because so what I, I, this is a bit different to the norm because mm. normally, norm, so with an event in October, we launch late spring, so April, May sort of time. Mm. And then the first thing, if I've got that, that gap between launching the site for the year and the event, yeah. what I'll do, the first thing that I do is I'll go, let me get in 50 ticket sales. So I'll do like what I've called in the past a super early bird ticket. Mm-hmm. I get those ticket sales in and I know that I've got, a, I, I believe you're, normally I've got the cost of the venue and half the hotel cost covered Yeah, at that point. And they're normally on sale for two weeks okay. or until they sell out. So I, I sit there and try and make a deal about the fact that there's only 50 of them and once they're gone. And yeah. so once I get that in, it sits away in a pot. Yeah. And I've got, got a space in my banking that's for WDC and every ticket sale money just sits in there until yeah. I need to pay the bills. And then what tends to happen after that is you then hit the summer and everything goes quiet. <laughs> yep. So you get to a point where you're like, I've got at least this cost covered. I'm only out a little bit of money. Hmm. And then, then everyone gets back to work in September and it picks up again. And at that point, it's the general admission tickets hmm. for the event. And then you get to the point, I, th- I think normally by then it's, I know I've got the base costs covered all up because of the way I, the way I cover speaker travel and stuff is I know all I've got to worry about then is their travel. Yep. And some people will be Bristol based anyway. Mm-hmm. Some people will, I've had it before where some people have driven in with friends and yep. everything else. So actually, um, the, you know, there's not, it's, it's not, you're not sat there going, oh no, I'm going to be, you know, I've got all this expense to cover that I haven't covered yet. It's mm. no, I, the, what I've got to cover now is very small. And every time a ticket sale comes in, it gets closer and closer to zero. Yeah. So those super early bird, which presumably are snapped up by your core regulars who are going to yeah. come back every year because they just mm-hmm. know it's great and they don't need to know yes. anything about the lineup. They just know they're yeah, coming. Yeah. Uh, yes. And that- I did once do blind birds. Right. Where I went, this is the date of the event. <laughs> And over the next couple of couple of months, we'll swell all the speakers and stuff. Yeah, and they did all right. There, there weren't. There wasn't an instant success, but I hope <laughs> that the track as the the track record grows, more and more people go. Oh, if it does a blind bird and it's like not and it's fifty quid. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. So it's worth the gamble yeah. because the odds yeah, are pretty exactly. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and that then helps your cash flow to to make sure those any initial expenses get uh, a coverable yes that's smart the conference industry as it is has taken a pretty big hit over the last few years with mm. the pandemic and things i'm guessing you just didn't run wdc through through the pandemic because yeah couldn't. so we got i got it was really unfortunate i'm just gonna bring up the because i'm slowly filling out the, the site so we didn't run in 2019 2020 2021 Right. 2019 was because my, because of family commitments and my mm-hmm. kids being very little <laughs> and they take up an extraordinary amount of time. <laughs> and then what I was trying to do through the pandemic and stuff like that was at least have something there that people could watch and get to. And there was, we'd done a slot on a conference where we had, it was like a Q and a session, but the very tongue in cheek mm. Q and a session. And I was trying to plan to do something like that 
to have have people keep engaged, but that again didn't happen. People got busy. Yeah. So yeah, took a break just before that, and I was like, I'm getting ready for 2020. <laughs> you know, I, I, I probably sat there in January, kind of going, the ideas are for me. I, these people, and then everything everything went all to hell. So we <laughs> took a break, and then yeah, as I say, we came back last year once we were past it all, and as I say, went we're back now, and this is what we're doing, and. Yeah, and trying to now essentially build up a bit, bit more momentum to be like, okay, so we're back this year. We're going to be back next year after that. We're going to keep going. Yeah, keep people interested in that. There's things happening. And did you find that the audience um, returned as you'd expected last year, or was it a little uh, bit slower? It was a, it was a little bit slower. I think partly that was down to it was a two day event, and there was I spoke to I spoke to various people about the fact that two days for them especially with everything else that was going on hmm. is that it's just a bit too much time to take off, hmm. which I completely understood and would never, if, if someone's got to do something else than attend my conference, then let them do it. I'm not going to hold it against them. And, and that was part of the reason to go back to one is it's one, it's always on a Friday. The wor- worst you've got to do is travel. If, if, if you are an employee, hmm. you've got to, you can travel to Bristol the Thursday evening after the event, not after the event, sorry, after work, that's the one. <laughs> And then you're traveling home again on a Saturday. So you're not there panicking that you've got to get up after the event, get back on the train to get to an office. It's no, you've got the Saturday so you can, I've known people who've gone, well, I'm going to spend the day in Bristol. The important uh, point then as well is if you, if you are a freelancer deep in the weeds of a project, taking one Friday off to, to do some personal development stuff and yeah. go to WDC is no client's going to bat an eyelid, really. It's yeah, just, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not around this Friday, back on Monday, and fine. Yeah. Um, uh, and the worst I seem to have had on a Friday is, oh, could you look at this on Monday for me? Yes. And yeah, of course. Yeah. That's Monday. That's after the weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, I've had it a couple of times where I've been, there's been talks going on. I'm like, oh, okay. Phone down, respond to the email. Okay, yeah. done. And then it's, <laughs> then there's nothing. Yeah. So. Yeah. As. I feel as we dig in, dig into the weeds of what's involved in organising a conference, there's mm. a lot going on. It's a big endeavour, right? It's, there's, yeah, there, there's always little things you forget about, and it's and as you've covered, kind of venue, date, venue, speakers, yeah, and hotels, probably the four big things you've got to get sorted out. Yeah, then you've got to worry about the schedule on the day. Mm-hmm. The schedule on the day is always one you forget about. Because you're like, oh, they're all there. <laughs> and he said, go, when are they speaking? Or, and the, the big one I, as, as well is that people always tweet or kind of contact you. Just go, what is the schedule? What are they talking about? And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. We'll <laughs> put those details together for them. Yeah. Because uh, it, it works, especially for bigger organizations is that they want to be able to see what these people are talking about to make sure it's relevant if they're sending employees. Hmm. Yes. So, and then you've got lanyards. Stickers or pit like I I do pin badges. I've got a I've got a little set of pin badges that I've done. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to worry about volunteers and volunteers. I always forget about and they're amazing. <laughs> is that they give up their time to start sit in the fr- in in the watershed and mm-hmm. they sit out the front and check people into the event, do registration. And- what, while I run around yeah. crazily, going I've got to put banners up here, so I've got to, I've got to make sure I've got banners and. I've got to make sure that this person's set up and ready to speak. And thankfully, the 
tech team at the watershed are amazing. So I come in and they go, yeah, okay. Oh, we're doing this again. Okay. Okay. And they get <laughs> everyone set up. It's all working and they're all mic'd up and all ready to go. And yeah, volunteers just sit there and go, right, they're in, they're in And you check on them a couple of times. They're like, yeah, I've had these people. What other small details are there? Oh, getting myself to the event. <laughs> like, so I live just on the outskirts of Bristol. Mm-hmm. So what, what I've done in the past is I've driven in the morning yep. to get to the, to get to the venue for eight o'clock with a, and I've got it in the garage now is a, a conference box. <laughs> okay, yeah. which, which has various bits of canned kind of, food, fire lighters, <laughs> <laughs> emergency flares, go, yeah, high vis jackets. Yeah. It's got all the bits and pieces that has built up over the years because you sit there and go, I can put an event on for 300 people, and so I want 300 of these things. And then you get 200 people show up, so you have to go, I've got 100, I've got like old dot grid notebooks and stuff that are from event many years ago, yeah. That I'm like, I've got those to put out so people can have them because I don't want them in my garage. Yeah. <laughs> I, so what I'm now doing is I'm like, I'm making sure that I can book a hotel room for myself mm. to make sure I'm, I can get up at four o'clock in the morning because I can't sleep anyway. Cause I'm like, I'm putting a conference today. Yeah. And getting to, like being close to the venue anyway. Mm. And well, there's loads of little bits you always forget about every time <laughs> you put on a venue. You're like, Oh, I did that last year. Why did I forget this year? And stuff like that. So I guess it's one of the advantages of having a a regular venue that you go back to year after year is that, as you say, like with the tech team, they know you, they know your event, they know how to, they know what they're doing. You you can, you don't have to waste energy thinking about, okay, where do we put the registration desks? Where do we do this? Because you just know you've done it it before. You just fall into the pattern and it it, it takes off a lot of mental load. Yeah, if, if it was my first, if it was my first one, I'd be I as as I wouldn't sleep for the week before the event because I'd be like, oh, have I got X? Have I got Y? No, oh no, what am I going to do? And then like with the, pr- I've I've been really fortunate with if we, if we're doing printing of schedules and stuff and hmm. la- name badges is that there I've got a, a printer I can go to the week before and go, I need this. <laughs> okay, great. And like within twenty in the past. I've had it, a 24-hour notification to go, it's been dispatched. Like, this is great. And then I've gone, there was a typo and it's my fault. I'm really sorry. Can you print these? <laughs> so uh, thankfully, I've now got like my wife and a couple of friends who will proofread anything I send that's going to be printed. Yep. Yeah. Yes. That's like when you're used to working digitally, sending stuff to print is terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the thing, I don't know about you, but it's the thing I'm always saying to clients is, you've got to remember a website can be changed. Yeah. As and when you want it to be changed. Yeah, can't do that with a schedule book that you've printed out. <laughs> no, and have you ever had uh, any situations like with speakers needing to cancel last minute or being ill or anything like that? So we had, we, I've had an issue with a speaker before where because of train strike, we had had we've had issues with train strikes and stuff before. I had an issue with a speaker who went to get on a train to find out the train was cancelled oh, no. and they were travelling down like late the night before. And they were meant to be on early, like first thing the following morning. Hmm. Um, so th- there was a lot of panic there about what we were going to do, and they made it in the end. And it was just a, it just a, essentially I could probably give a course in crisis management <laughs> for it. I've had we had again last year, even though I've done forty, I've done fourteen events. I've never hmm. spoken to them because it's not something I do. Where, and last year we got to a point where I was like, we've got one lightning slot. 
and the person we wanted to speak at is unavailable. Hmm. And I think I was 48 hours before that slot was to take place. I was like, I'll do it. How bad can it be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And cause like having spoken to people who've never spoken at events before who've hmm. done it and their nerves and stuff like this. And I thought I had a really good idea for a talk. Yeah. For 15 minutes. You know, like, it's only 15 minutes. And I was there panicking about it. And thankfully, we had Gavin Strange on after me. Mm -hmm. I spotted him walking in the room after I was about seven minutes in. I'm like, I've run out of content. I've run out of stuff to say because I panicked my way through it. Yeah. I was like, that's me done. Uh, can I have those? So, so there's, it's a lot of it is just making sure, like knowing enough in advance when things are happening. I think mm. we've been caught out with train strikes, um, I think at least twice now. And that's always the thing. If it's something we can control, so if it's a speaker who's sat there going, I'm oh, really sorry, I can't do it. We can fight. We can, we, we've done it before where like, we've had a slightly extended break or move things around before, ever so slightly because they've been unable to attend. But something that we can't control is like industrial action and business yes. like that. So it's like, thankfully they published it well in advance. So like, is this going to impact your travel? And <laughs> it did last year, which was a bit annoying. And had it been a one day event, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what seems to be clear that uh, is that organizing something like WDC, it, you can't, probably can't do it as a business it has to be something you do out of passion and you do because yes. of the love for it because it's so much work <laughs> and to be able yeah. to and to be able to keep um keep it to being so accessible in terms of cost mm. and things um yeah. then it as a as a business move it doesn't make any sense right <laughs> it's no if, if if i wanted to do it as a business i'd have to charge a lot more for a ticket and i couldn't do one event a year hmm I'd have to explore options and go down those kind of very narrow lanes of content yeah. to, to make it a business. And at that point, I'm like, do I really want to organize 10 events plus a year to, to run a business? And the answer is no. Yeah, it's a, it's a complete change of business, isn't it? It's, yeah, exactly. You're yeah. no longer a, a software engineer or an event yeah, organizer. Yeah. And that's, yeah. What, what would you say to somebody who was, who was thinking about setting something like WDC up, they wanted to do that themselves, a grassroots accessible mm. event other than don't do it in Bristol in October. <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. Would you have any advice to, to give to them? So I spoke to people about it before and the, the, the advice I can give is if you can, if you've got the community locally, I've been very fortunate with the kind of the web scene in Bristol mm. is that if there's the community locally and you put on a start off with meetups and, like networking locally, then if you then put on an event that's aimed at, at that community, the chances are is it will start in Bristol. Oh, mm. it, not in Bristol, sorry. It will start <laughs> in your location of choice yep. that isn't Bristol. And what will happen is that the people who are local will obviously have a network that's ever so slightly further apart, mm -hmm. and it will grow out that way. And if you get the right people to speak at that event as well who will they will tweet about it and everything else and it will that's the way wdc is going through is through as, as i say word of mouth mm. is that if you i got extremely lucky in that i could work with the uni that i was at to yeah. put on the first three events and so if there's a partner who's willing to help you as well and i've got an idea for this but what I need is just someone to help me 
cover the the cost. Mm. You can grow it that way as well. So yeah, if, if you know that there's a community in your area, and it's the other thing that I think is very important is good travel links for people traveling in. Mm. So obviously Bristol's quite a good location because we can get trains from the southwest, from the east, from the north, all relatively mm. easily. The travel links are really good because for Bristol. So if you've got that infrastructure in place as well, it, mm. it means that people coming from outside of your area can get to it, stay there and get home again without, without fuss. Yes. Yeah. And it's making sure that the, you're getting people talking about things that people want to listen to. So mm. it can be about following trends, but what we've done with our lightning talks is that it's a 15 minute slot that you don't have to talk about web stuff. Okay. You can talk about anything. So we've had people talking about building desks and furniture and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. for, is great to show that other people, like people in the industry, do other things. Mm-hmm. It's not that you sit in front of a computer all day. Find the community to build the event in the middle of and let it. I've been very fortunate. It kind of word of mouth, it will grow because whilst your network could be 50 people, mm-hmm. their network is then another 50 people for each one of them. Yeah. And it grows that way. Fantastic. This episode of the Smashing Podcast isn't sponsored by anyone. However, our guest Alex has generously offered listeners a 10% discount on tickets to WebDevConf. So if you're in or able to get to Bristol for the conference, go to webdevconf.com for tickets and use the code SMASHING to claim your discount. Thanks, Alex. I've been learning all about what it takes to put on an independent web conference. What have you been learning about lately, Alex? So I've been learning about Eleventy. Okay. Because I'm a big WordPress person. Mm-hmm. I've been doing WordPress for 15 years professionally. And the conference site has been a mismatch of different things over the years. So I've been learning Eleventy to pull it all together in one platform. Because obviously it's a conference site. It's a conference. So nothing changes dynamically a lot yep so what i'm currently doing is filling in the back catalog of event sites so that people can see what because we tried fun themes and stuff with them over the years Mm. is that i'm using eleventy to bring all that in and going oh how do i do this with this thing and and oh why does it error when i do this thing this way and do something similar but not quite the same this way so it's always very yeah. challenging and, and like a little bit humbling, isn't it, when you pick up a, yes. a different bit of software where you, you know how to do the task with something else you're familiar with, and yeah. you pick up something there's something different, and you suddenly feel <laughs> you feel like an idiot. Yes, <laughs> but also it's so fulfilling, isn't it? Once you figure oh. out how to do something, and just yeah. that sort of um, dopamine hit you get from yes. achieving things Absolutely. is amazing. I, yeah, for for me, it's like, but the documentation says this, and what's what's getting in my way of using documentation properly is that I think I can do it another way because in the other sy- systems I yeah. use and the frameworks I use, this is how I do it. It's like, no, read what we're saying. You're like, fine. <laughs> I surrender. <laughs> I surrender. I will do what the documentation <laughs> says. Yeah. Uh, if you, dear listener, would like to hear more from Alex, you can find his personal site at alexolder.com. And of course, WebDevConf returns to Bristol on 20th of October this year. You can find all about that and get your tickets at webdevconf.com. Thanks for joining us today, Alex. Did you have any parting words? 
No, but please do say hello because I don't use social stuff very much because I'm <laughs> always busy. But yes, do say hello if you ever see me anywhere. This is Smashing. And that was our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And if you liked it, please share it with your friends. Find us on the web at smashingmagazine.com, on Twitter at Smashing Mag, Smashing Magazine on Facebook, or in the supermarket by the cat food. <laughs> <laughs>